Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Please welcome Andy Zaltzman! Hello, Buglers! Thank you. How are you all? You are hooray. Good. That is uh, probably not the average response of people in the world right now, but I'll take it for this gig. Uh, welcome to uh, the Bugle. Uh, I am uh, Andy Zaltzman, and a very warm welcome and an aggressively Masonic handshake to <laughs> the Newtown Theatre here in Edinburgh, also known as Freemasons Hall, also technically known as the Grand Lodge of Ancient, Free and Accepted Masons of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Freemasons uh, traditionally, uh, of course, uh, insist that all members profess belief in a supreme being. So come on, people, bow down and f***ing worship! <laughs> Me or Chris, your call. Uh, probably go for him, he's better organised than I am. Uh, I think I'd be quite a bad supreme being, to be honest. No, you're perfect. <laughs> no one really knows what's going on. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, actually, when you come to think of it, I, I keep forgetting to respond to communications. I tend not to, go, not to get things done on time. Uh, no real tangible creations. Uh, it's not too dissimilar to some prominent Judeo-Christian deities I could mention. I am <laughs> um, not a God-fearing man. Um, and uh, that feeling is entirely mutual. Um, um, <laughs> so here we are. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome to uh, the... Uh, the Bugle, uh, Bugle Live on the 16th of August 2019. Yes, the 200th anniversary of the Peterloo Massacre, which this audience evidently enthusiastically supported. It's a protest against unfair parliamentary representation that took place uh, in uh, Manchester, led to uh, uh, the deaths of several uh, innocent people, brutally put down by the military, and then an ensuing crackdown on dissent and freedom, or as it is known by Jacob Rees-Mogg, the high point in political, British political history. It led to the founding of the Guardian newspaper in accordance with the protesters' demands for navel-gazing below-the-line comments on opinion pieces on news websites. <laughs> on this day in 1858, US President James Buchanan inaugurated the first transatlantic telegraph cable. But <laughs> yeah, let's hear it for transatlantic telegraph cables. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you American or just a, just a fan? You are. Front row. <laughs> Um, uh, welcome. Uh, yeah. I mean, Donald Trump for me has been an inverse Russian doll of <laughs> um, and it, uh, Every time you think he's reached his limit, out pops an even bigger <laughs> um, uh, 50 years ago, as we speak, the Woodstock Festival was up and running. The lineup on this day, the uh, second day of the Woodstock Festival, 16th of August 1969, included The Who, The Grateful Dead, Credence Clearwater Revival, Rod, Jane and Freddie. Um, <laughs> this one for our older listeners. Uh, <laughs> Sniveling Derek and the Wingers, uh, Leonid Brezhnev, curious booking. Um, Auntie Mildred and the Buckets of Sick, and Jacob and the <laughs> Harvest, which was, um, which was Jacob Rees-Mogg's college band, would you believe? Described by reviewers at the time as provocative, priapic, and like no other chamber music troupe we've ever seen. <laughs> was, uh, sadly disbanded after the harpsichordist died after overdosing on croquet. Um, uh, as always, a uh, section of the bugle is going, where? Yeah. It's going, where, Edinburgh? Yeah. That is uh, entirely correct, it is going in the bin. Uh, in the bin uh, this week, uh, today, is Men's Grooming Day. Um, 
I mean, every day is men's grooming day for me. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to get my hair looking like this? 44 years, 10 months, and 8 days. Now, um, we uh, review... <laughs> I'm not a piece of meat. Um, uh, we review the latest male grooming accessories, including um, the, uh, the ear pointer. Um, with the the uh, goblin look is increasingly popular uh, after the success of the Hollywood blockbuster Eric the Randy Goblin. And the uh, Otitech ear pointer can almost painlessly scrape off up to 1.5 millimeters of ear flesh each day, sculpting your ears to an elegantly elfin point within just a fortnight, warning may cause unquenchable bleeding and or tinnitus. Uh, the Invisibeard, um, if you'd like to stay up with uh, the latest facial trends and enjoy stroking your whiskers but hate the way that beards look, the Invisibeard could be for you. Gives you the best of both worlds using Russian KGB developed technology to make your bristles invisible from most viewing angles but enable you, in enabling you to stay hip and stroke your chin like a beat poet. Uh, the, new, uh, the Neck News Info Scarf, uh, part neckwear, part news ticker, that's got to be the future of facts, and the Conscienzas E Tear Duct. A simple eye accessory, a pouch of liquid shaped like a cute mallard that you pop under your eyelids. Uh, and a Bluetooth-connected app will provoke tears when it detects a moving conversation uh, to show how much you care about your world. Now it's time to meet our two guests uh, for today's Live Bugle. Are you ready to meet our two guests? Good, because that would have been very awkward if that had been a no. Um, uh, it's, uh, well, firstly, a great place to welcome, uh, welcome him back to The Bugle's done many, uh, many bugles, many, uh, many live shows. A man whose body speaks, well, he launched several thousand ships. Please give it up for Nish Kumar! Right, what the f*** is that? <laughs> but I mean, what? So, we just got it out of the BBC archive. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it's not as inaccurate as I would hope. <laughs> what I will say is that that body... So for buglers uh, listening at home, uh, Chris has photoshopped a picture of my face on the naked body of a, a gentleman who shares a skin tone with me and whose hands are tastefully covering his penis and testicles. However, what I will say is that man is hairless and if I was sat in that exact pose for a photo, it would look like I was wearing a sweater all over my body. <laughs> That's noted for next time. <laughs> Chris made that on the train, and he said, you know, it's weird, you get a lot of strange things when you Google naked Indian man. And... <laughs> All I will say to that, Chris, is I really feel like you should have seen that coming. Also, are you now banned from the train from London to Edinburgh? Yeah, if anyone can offer a lift home, that would be much appreciated. <laughs> Um, nice to see you both. Uh, it's uh, nearly, we're in the same room and it's nearly the one year anniversary uh, of the date last year when we did one of these live bugles that Andy's children attended and his son learned the word <laughs> <laughs> Happy anniversary to <laughs> one of the great fathers of our generation. 
got to, you've got to introduce them to all the, the, be- the various beauties of the English language. <laughs> and <laughs> the world as it is, I mean, that's probably the word he's going to use more than any other. <laughs> um, I've been, uh, I've been around, I've been, since I last bugled, I've been in two of the world's smuggest countries, <laughs> Ireland and Canada, who, by the way, can both go f*** themselves. <laughs> Ooh, we're Ireland, our referendums go the cool way. Ooh. <laughs> Goddamn. Canada, oh, just because our Prime Minister approved an oil pipeline in the explicit face of opposition from indigenous rights groups and environmental activists, but still, he's not a rapist, so I guess... <laughs> can smug. Uh, by which I mean, thanks to all the buglers who attended shows I did in Kilkenny and Montreal. <laughs> also, I'm bugling drunk. I mean, I really? say drunk, I've had two sips of white wine. Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, this is what... This is why I had to get rid of John. (laughs) Oh, well. Well, in that case, I'm going to send this down, and HBO, here I come. (laughs) Just reached the stage when there were three of us in every podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Right, let's meet our second uh, second guest, whom I'm assuming the graphic will not be quite the same (laughs) as... Uh, that one, Chris. Uh, uh, a tremendous pleasure to welcome uh, welcome her to for her first live bugle in this hemisphere. She did one of the Melbourne shows last year. Please give a huge bugle welcome to the wonderful Aditi Mittal. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Andy. I'm so excited. Uh, I think they also Googled naked Indian man for my picture. Um, <laughs> but that was the best they could come up with. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I always Google when I can't remember Gandhi's name. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm a privately educated Brit. That's just the way we roll. I uh, told my mum the lineup tonight, and my mum went, Oh, a couple of Indians. Well, one real one. <laughs> she was talking about Andy, right? <laughs> yeah, she was talking about Yeah, well, Andy drinks so much mango lassi, he is technically, his DNA is technically Indian. <laughs> Our special secret, Nish. Um, Right, we have a, a bugle first today. We're, the world has uh, been scarred by democratic squabbles and we thought we'd uh, introduce a new one here. We're going to let you choose the top story this week. Because the world is so unbelievably unremittingly mi- miserable, we thought we'd give you the choice of two unremittingly miserable stories to choose from. So, uh, well, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for clarifying the joke. <laughs> um, I like a comedic heckle that is essentially yelling the subtext. (laughs) Um, I think this Alan Partridge is a wally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You can choose between the latest from Brexit Britain or the Kashmir crisis. (laughs) F***ing hell, mate. That now. is an, what an unappealing dinner that is. Yes. <laughs> Two uh, issues uh, with, well, let's be fair, British fingerprints all over them. <laughs> Some slightly more faded than others, but if you dust them both, they will be there. So give us a cheer if you want to hear Brexit first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> give us God. a cheer 
if you'd rather hear the cashmere crisis first. Let's hear about something fun like cashmere. Aditi, uh, it's, I mean, it's an awkward subject for a <laughs> British a, a man, Bridget, to, a, a yeah. British person to, yeah. to, to just, uh, I mean, because in, um, uh, to, uh, yesterday was the, the anniversary of, of uh, India gaining independence. From, yeah, uh, 73 years of India's independence uh, from you guys. Yeah. And um, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so grateful. No, we, uh, all, all children have to fly the nest at some point. <laughs> Uh, I would you. like to yeah. say that from my perspective, this is like when England plays India at cricket. Win-win. <laughs> Churchill, Churchill, <laughs> Nehru, Nehru. <laughs> Those are safe words. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. And I told you to keep that secret. <laughs> British left India, they treated uh, India kind of like a Sunday roast. They were just like, cut it in any way possible. Um, <laughs> and then watched the juices leak out. And uh, <laughs> now, now the gravy has come home, right? Now the gravy has come home. Um, and uh, and uh, 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 when, when Kashmir joined India, it was given special state, uh, special status, uh, which was Article 3, uh, through Article 370 in the Constitution. Um, which made it have its own constitution and its own flag and everything. And uh, then last week, uh, we sneaky bastards, um, uh, we are uh, now living in what is a, a fascisto-democratic... Yeah, we know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Dictatorship. Uh, so he is sort of uh, uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, who is kind of known as um, uh, the strong man of India. Um, he is, has been sort of building himself in the most uh, Putin-esque image, not the sauce, but uh, <laughs> Putin. And, uh, and so uh, he used Article 370 to uh, abrogate Article 370, uh, which was kind of like um, just paying your mom money to like put you in jail. <laughs> and so uh, that's what happened. Uh, and uh, there, there's been a complete communications blackout uh, for the past 10 days. Uh, but uh, they're still trending Modi with Kashmir for some reason. I don't know how. Uh, if nobody in Kashmir is on the internet, I don't know what they're tweeting in support of. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I think they, they did the, the communications blackout to sort of prevent any kind of unrest. But I think they discounted taking away Twitter from the average millennial. Uh, <laughs> and so there have been protests across the state. Uh, and over 1,000 people have sort of been uh, taken police action against in the past 10 days. So, in summary, uh, <laughs> exactly how close are we to a massive, catastrophic global conflagration? Uh, so, you know, isn't it wonderful that it is also one of the most sort of uh, fragile geopolitical boundaries in the world right now. Uh, but India <laughs> has a no first use policy when it comes to uh, nuclear power, which is also how uh, most Indian men function in the best <laughs> And. Uh, <laughs> Family show! <laughs> For the purposes of that joke, Churchill! Churchill! Um, and, and so, yeah, so, uh, unless, and, and, but uh, Imran Khan has come out, the, the Prime Minister of Pakistan has come out and said he will give an appropriate response, uh, which I don't want to imagine what is. Um, but this is happening. This is oh. happening. We're, ten, we're ten days into it, and... Uh, well, based, based on what Imran Khan has done in the past, his appropriate response will be unplayable in-swinging Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> Hooping in from way outside off stump. So, um, 
it's so frustrating to me that he is heading up Pakistan's government at the moment because this is exactly the sort of situation where I'd be like, Andy, can you not bring cricket into this? But it's literally impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Modi is, I mean, for the diaspora, uh, speaking as a representative of the Asian diaspora, Modi is a, a complicated and divisive figure. And yeah, I'm he's uh, been accused of, like, genocide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> complicated and... <laughs> I am actually, my mother has banned me from my family WhatsApp group because <laughs> she says that the fighting that happens on there over Modi is so unbelievably vicious that she will not let me on there. And what I will say is, in terms of my family, I am slightly surprised that half of them, particularly some of the younger members, have swung so hard in favour of Modi. Because in terms of like our Hinduism, we are a very specific type of Hindu, and that type is uh, shit. Like... <laughs> We're shit Hindus. We're Hindus, right? <laughs> how shit are we at Hinduism? I'll tell you how shit we are. We all eat beef. That. <laughs> hang on, Nish. Hang on. Yeah, I mean, you know what? this I... could get very competitive. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Andy. Listen, it has not escaped my attention that my family is to Hinduism what you are to Judaism. <laughs> and quite what, frankly, what former bit of your body have you had sewn back on? <laughs> Andy, I never thought I would say this. Where did you have your foreskin sewn back onto? <laughs> Which, incidentally, is also a, a game show format I'm trying to sell <laughs> at the television festival next year. Yes, my family's embrace, or certain members of my family's embrace of Narendra Modi is essentially the equivalent of if it turned out you removed your shirt and you had a full torso-length tattoo of Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Modi as well. He's, uh, I mean, he's, uh, he's been involved in perhaps the greatest TV show of the millennium so far. Oh, that's right. Man, we Man Meets Wild, uh, which is the Bear Grylls show, uh, which is on Discovery Channel. And uh, yeah, th this is not a fake, by the way. This is this <laughs> genuinely the democratically elected leader of the world's biggest democracy, with Bear Grylls. This is the fake. <laughs> <laughs> this is his, 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 his real name is not Bear, though. It's Michael Edward. But he was called Bear uh, after his uh, sister named him that when he was a week old, because I think he was like rummaging through trash. And uh, <laughs> breath smelled terrible. So uh, that's it, what wasn't, it wasn't because he disappeared off to the woods with a newspaper tucked under <laughs> his arm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Less is more. Less is more. <laughs> Um, and, um, and I mean, it was, it, you know, again, in the sort of Modi myth-making uh, industry, this was right up there uh, while uh, Kashmir was burning, uh, Modi was uh, with Bear Grylls. And, uh, uh, you know, I th th this was supposed to be like an area that's teeming with tigers uh, that they got into. And then uh, Bear Grylls called them the ninjas of concealment, uh, which was great because not a single tiger was seen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and, uh, and then they even sniffed elephant poop. Uh, at some point, they picked up elephant poop and then they sniffed it, uh, which was the elephant leaving a review of the episode before it saw the episode. <laughs> uh, um, and also, uh, there's, like Modi told this amazing story. He told this amazing story about how, uh, when he was very young, he picked up uh, a baby crocodile from a pond uh, because he thought it was a lizard. Uh, and he took it home. 
Uh, and the last time I heard of somebody picking up stuff from a pond and taking it home was when that lady kissed a frog. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming he kissed the crocodile and that's how we got our Home Minister, Amit Shah. <laughs> um, the Guardian review of that program is absolutely extraordinary. Chitra just, Ramaswamy uh, described it as the most tasteless TV ever, a monstrous propaganda stunt, and the final words of the review are genuinely, God help us all. <laughs> Which is the worst review of a TV programme since the last time I was on a TV programme. It's absolutely... But I don't understand why should we be surprised by this. Why should we be surprised that Bear Grylls, a sort of eaten-educated celebrity dung smeller, is doing a puff piece with India's quasi-dictator leader when two weeks ago... Like, the concept of shame is dead. A fortnight ago... All of us refused to believe that a billionaire paedophile had committed suicide in jail in order to protect, potentially, members of the royal family and the president of America. The concept of shame... Remember when we were angry about duck ponds? <laughs> also, by the way, I think I speak for all of us when I say, after the Epstein story, I'm very excited about season seven of The Crown. <laughs> that shit is going to be dark. <laughs> but you know what they say, teach a man to fish and he will start a 14-season survival series about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's about. Uh, well, there, I mean, there's another version of that, of course, which underpins the whole of global economics, which is give a man a fish, you will feed him for a day. Uh, but lease him a fishing rod and he will feed you cut price fish for a lifetime. And <laughs> you can always threaten to take his fishing rod away, so there's a very great incentive for him to fish and fish f hard. Otherwise, no fish and therefore no income, and then he and his family wouldn't be able to afford the imported processed fish, which is all they can currently afford to eat. So, um, <laughs> somewhere along the line, we've made some little mistakes. Let's, um, shall we move on to the um, uh, very amusing story of Brexit Britain? Uh, just quick breaking news. Um. The picture currently on the screen for listeners is of Boris Johnson, and it has got a worse reaction than a naked photo of me. <laughs> now, that is his reaction to a naked photo of you. Um, as Churchill famously said, democracy is a rotting chicken nugget in a buffet of festering turds. Um, um, so I get that... But I'm, par I'm paraphrasing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think by the time he finished with it, he'd thrown some shit about fighting him on the beaches. But that <laughs> was absolutely the essence. That's what, that was the first draft. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I mean, uh, Nish, I mean, how, how, have you, uh, how are you enjoying our new Supreme Overlord? Well, you know, Boris Johnson is an absolutely extraordinary individual, given that he's lost most of his jobs for uh, a combination of incompetence and mendacity, and yet now has ended up Prime Minister. We have to acknowledge at this point that Boris Johnson is less a man and more a performance art prank entitled, what if white privilege was a guy? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's cracking on with Brexit, which at this point is essentially like the James Bond film franchise in that no one can quite believe it's still going on. No one has any idea how to improve it. And it really seems to only exist for the benefit of four old white men in Kent. <laughs> 
Um, the, uh, the latest uh, rainfall in the ceaseless shitstorm is that in an attempt to reinforce the message that we are absolutely committed to leaving on the 31st of October, the UK is going to stop attending the day-to-day -day meetings uh, that inform all of the bloc's decision-making. Uh, and The Guardian obtained a quote that uh, an official had said that this policy was an attempt to show the EU that this is do or die. And I guess my question is, why is die an option? <laughs> Why is that the only two? It's like somebody offering you a coin toss and saying heads or tails and you responding knife. <laughs> Why is that option on the table? You've put that option on the table. I mean, listen, it's an absolute shitstorm. Uh, Boris Johnson has also uh, accused uh, high-level um, pro-Remain ministers of being in collaboration with the uh, European Union. Collaboration is a very specific term, very loaded term, and it either means one of two things. It either means working with the Nazis, I think, or it means uh, two R&B artists working on a song. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that Boris Johnson has very little uh, problem with R&B music. Like, I'm not even sure he's aware of it due to its high content of what we call black people. <laughs> yeah, but you say that, Nish, but I mean, in terms of collaboration, just as a word for two people coming together to work constructively towards a mutually beneficial outcome. But I mean, it's clearly tainted by history. As you said, it refers to people who work with the Nazis against their own side in the Second World War. So I guess that unless you're an average student of history, you might not necessarily know that. And it made me think, if only we had a Prime Minister who was not so busy devoting himself unceasingly to the improvement of the lives of the ordinary British working people that he had time to, for example, write a fucking book about Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I guess maybe he could have picked up on the nuance of collaboration somewhere in his studies of the Second I, World War. I seem to remember reading some of the reviews of that Churchill book, and from what I can glean, it was basically one sentence about Winston Churchill, and then Boris Johnson going, and now here are ten chapters on how I'm basically the new Winston Churchill. <laughs> it do or die such a... Why would you... Like, I can't... Other thing, how, what does that look like? Knife. That's what it looks like. What does it look like to, because I like, people I meet abroad are like, genuinely are just like, what the f*** is going on? <laughs> Do you know, it feels like y'all have been pregnant with a baby for three years. And y'all still don't know what y'all are going to name it. Like, yeah. all, all you know is that when that baby comes out, it's going to be angry and your family are going to be disgusted. <laughs> Andy, I don't think you should make those kind of comments with your children in the room. <laughs> <laughs> they were only in the, room for, in the womb for about 18 months. Um, they, uh, my son did genuinely have to delay his arrival slightly due to a tense test match. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's um, I mean, tough. Uh, I, mean, he, I mean, at least he didn't, didn't say, you know, we have ways of making you talk, which I guess is the next step. <laughs> in uh, Johnsonian, uh, Johnsonian rhetoric. <laughs> Do or die, though, I mean, I think, to be honest, that, that could be post-Brexit, as you look at the, you know, how the economy's gonna pan out with the, you know, an aging demographic and, uh, and, and pe pensions being a huge economic strain. Do or die could just be an option given to everyone over the age of 75. <laughs> <laughs> you either have to get a job or I'm afraid. <laughs> Tick tock. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, why not go all in? I thought you, for a second you were going to suggest that that was going to be the options on a second referendum. <laughs> <laughs> Inexplicably, 52% of the British electorate voted to die. <laughs> well, at least some of them have gone through with it already. It's <laughs> rare to see that in democracy. You know, I'm just delighted. This is the first time I'm seeing UK, like England, wanting to leave someplace willingly. So, come on, Aditi. It just shows we've learned from our mistakes. <laughs> Nehru, Nehru, Nehru. God, we gave you cricket. What more do you people want? <laughs> Imran Khan came out of that. Oh yeah, he did. Yes. Um, um, there's, a, there's also been some uh, research this week that suggests that Britons have spent £4 billion stockpiling goods in preparation for a no-deal Brexit. Um, the survey's found that 800,000... Oh. Now, Chris has brought up on the screen a, a picture of an amount of alcohol that can only be described as patriotic. <laughs> and, you know, lots of people are stockpiling on lots of different things. Um, people are stockpiling on food, people are stockpiling on drinks. Andy has actually taken the unorthodox me uh, measure of uh, stockpiling on cricket statistics. <laughs> In the event of a no-deal Brexit, his children won't eat, but he will be able to tell them Rahul Dravid's batting average in the 2003-04 India-Australia series. 123.8, <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering. They're also like... Why, why have you only gone to one decimal place? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I forgot. I forgot that for a second there, I just challenged Roger Federer to tennis. <laughs> uh, they're also uh, stockpiling luxury cars, uh, which is I don't know how much that's a stockpileable item. <laughs> Who's like, I need my emergency BMW. Uh, bring it in, uh, and so. Uh, is that sort of what everyone was worried about in Brexit? What, the luxury car? Yeah, they were like, I'm not going to have my Jaguars. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that, that was always the concern <laughs> of, the, of, the, of, the, of the disenfranchised um, silent majority. That yeah, that's right. That's why the will of the people yeah. was for Nigel Farage to have another Jag. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was all about. But the, that, it blows my mind that you're like, actually willing to put yourself through this, like semi-zombie apocalypse situation. It's only semi. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 28 days later, it's just 14 days later. <laughs> also, I think, I think if this is comes out of zombie apocalypse, then I think we've got zombie films wrong, to be honest, because what it is going to be is going to be, you know, people who laid down their lives in various world wars coming back to life saying, for f**k's sake, you must be able to do better than this. Come on, <laughs> raise the f**king bar. I will say, in defence of Hinduism as a religion, we do cremate our dead, and what that means is no zombies. <laughs> or just a bunch of burned zombies. <laughs> that's, that's even worse. <laughs> oh my God, you're right, I hadn't thought it through. It's worse than we could have imagined. Flaming zombies. <laughs> like no. Cheetos, but hotter. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, that is a Bollywood script I will be co-writing with you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what, uh, what I mean stockpiling is potential future Prime Ministers. Um, <laughs> because we're, uh, it looks like we're going to start getting through them at a ferocious rate. Um, uh, Kenneth Clark um, and Harriet Harman apparently open to leaving an em uh, leading an emergency 
an emergency government. Uh, Quasi Quartem government minister said uh, Kenneth Clark was too old to, to do this job, to be interim, uh, to, be, to be prime minister of an emergency government because he's uh, 80, around uh, about 80. And I think, well, f that is exactly what we need in politics now. We need people to be leading this country who are on the precipice of death. Because <laughs> it takes all the careerism out of it, doesn't it? It means people can just focus on the job in hand and not worry about being re-elected next time because they will have been chosen by the Reaper instead. <laughs> In fact, I will go one step further even and say that anyone who is Prime Minister has a duty on the final day of their fifth year in office to commit ritual suicide off the White Cliffs of Dover. <laughs> Let, uh, you, you cannot... Very positive reception. <laughs> to an, uh, the Prime Minister from England killing themselves from the largely Scottish audience. It's, there's great examples through history of honourable political suicides. <laughs> oh, sorry, Andy. I didn't realise you were running with this riff. <laughs> I'm, I'm running with it. I'm jumping with it and I'm plummeting into the sea with it. Um, uh, incidentally, um, White Cliff of Dover is the average Brexit voter. Did you know that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that's a fact. That is a fact. Nail the dismount. I'll tell you what I'm sick of. I'm sick of comedians saying that we, ca we can't keep coming up with Brexit jokes. It is three years in, and Saltzman has just absolutely dropped a huge joke on you people. <laughs> that was an enormous joke. <laughs> That was an absolutely extraordinary, that was a, that is the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> um, other options, uh, the dream Ouija coalition of Attlee and Churchill, uh, Owen Morgan, the victorious World Cup captain. <laughs> I mean, he certainly can get a job done over the line, albeit only with huge good fortune, which is really what we need. <laughs> Uh, the all-female cabinet, uh, suggested by, uh, by Caroline, uh, Caroline Lucas, who's in favour of an all-female emergency cabinet. Yeah, uh, I am as well, because uh, I'm a man, and uh, I admit that things have... We have fallen below our high standards that we set for ourselves <laughs> as a gender, um, uh, you know, politically and socially, and I think maybe the time has gone... I mean, even I can accept that, you know, things haven't been going too well, you know, whether you look at politics, you look at, you look at society, and the time has come for us to step back and allow women to take over uh, for a while and uh, you know, go away, regroup, reassess, just examine what we're doing, learn from our mistakes, and come back uh, in 18 months' time refreshed for another 10,000 years of patriarchy. <laughs> 10,000 more years! 10,000 more years! There's actually, um, in terms of what happens next with Brexit, there has been no way of telling what's going to happen next until now. Uh, using a series of uh, complicated mathematical formulae, I've determined what is going to happen over the next five years. Uh, in an attempt to avoid doing the admin around Brexit, the United Kingdom will simply continue to vote to leave things. First, the <laughs> continent of Europe, then the United Nations, and finally the world. At which point, we as a country will attempt to strap rockets underneath ourselves and blast <laughs> off into space. However, the process of strapping rockets to a country and shooting it into space will prove a little bit more complicated, at which point some experts will say it's a bit more difficult than we were initially led to believe, but a lot of people will then just say, look, people voted to blast off into space, let's get on with <laughs> blasting ourselves into space. <laughs> and when you say, how do you blast a country into space, they'll say, you're talking the country down when you should be talking it up into space. <laughs> That's a direct quote from Ian Duncan Smith. <laughs> the, um, 
the delusionist's delusionist. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Because he's essentially been saying that this week. He's, be, he's now saying that people who are working against No Deal are betraying the British people. But both are, most of those working against No Deal want the deal to go through. They're working to get Brexit through on the Theresa May deal or something close to it. So now Ian Duncan Smith is accusing the people who are trying to get Brexit done of betraying Brexit. So it does seem that the Brexit hardliners have now dis disappeared so far up their own arses that they have now blasted straight out of their own faces again <laughs> and are now staring suspiciously at their own face saying, et tu, Brute. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, like, men have shit the bed on this one. Like, they genuinely have. At this point, at this point she's just like, you know, this is like the men are the drunk guy at the party. Um, and she's like, you're really wasted, give me the keys. <laughs> I am not letting you drive anymore. Um, and, and so it's totally understandable. Having said that, you know, the, the people that she wrote to were all like white, uh, middle class, uh, upper middle class uh, women. And I, uh, I don't personally, I mean, like, like I've got a stake in it. Um, I, I personally, I'm, I'm a little wary of like white upper class women in general. Because um, there's this, like, there's a, there's a sort of, like, largesse of heart. It's always like, you know, they're always like, oh, my God, a GT. Like, I can't leave the country without some white woman telling me, like, oh, my God, a GT. I contribute to charity all the time. I, uh, I, I you know, I contribute for the price of one cup of coffee a month. Um, I, <laughs> I fund the education of 99 million Indian children. And, and I, I, I always wonder about that because it blows my mind because I'm like, first of all, drink your coffee. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for you to act like you're saving the world when, when you go to vote, you're still voting for racist assholes. Uh, that's, that's Star Wars. Um, so I am a bit wary. I am a bit wary, but like, I think this is a great call. My I can't wait is. for you to start your new, your new charity campaign. White women, please drink your coffee. <laughs> drink your coffee. Use some of the caffeine you obtain in it to make less self-destructive decisions <laughs> in the ballot box. We haven't done enough in this show about um, uh, multi-millionaires uh, wishing death upon 16-year-old girls, Nish. You are our millionaires wishing death on 16-year-old girls correspondent. It's a specific brief and it's one that I take very seriously. <laughs> Um, uh, Aaron Banks uh, has he's um, uh, shout the bed again. Uh, he uh, he's he's Aaron Banks was a key financier of Brexit um, and one of the men behind the Leave.EU uh, movement. Um, and he, uh, he uh, this week he sort of jumped uh, on the bandwagon, uh, which is one of the stranger latest trends in the right wing commentariat, which is criticising a child for trying to save the world. <laughs> uh, so Greta Thunberg uh, is uh, going on a two-week zero-carbon trip to sail across the North Atlantic uh, to go and uh, address the UN, and she's a 16-year-old, and, uh, you know, people are always saying, uh, young people really need to take an interest. And it turns out when they do, uh, people go, oh, no, not that interest. You should die. Uh, <laughs> in response to the tweet, uh, Aaron Banks uh, quote-tweeted it and then said, freak yachting accidents do happen in August. 
Uh, and then uh, when he was sort of, uh, when a lot of people said, hey, uh, I, are you trying to kill a child? Uh, <laughs> he said, and this is a direct quote, it was a joke, dot, 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 you lefties have no sense of humour. Now that is something that is a, an accusation that's consistently levelled uh, at uh, left-wing people. And, you know, as a representative of uh, left-wing uh, comedy, uh, I would like to say to Aaron Banks, uh, you know what, you're absolutely right. I've now written some jokes uh, that I think Aaron Banks would uh, approve of. Um, I hope he enjoys them. <laughs> knock, knock. A dead child. <laughs> a dead child who was trying to fight against years of corporate self-interest being prioritised over scientific fact, culminating in a situation where mankind is on the verge of climate-based annihilation. Okay, it's not my strongest. Okay. <laughs> it's not my strongest. Okay, let's give this one a go. Doctor, doctor, I think this child died. Oh, no. Okay. I <laughs> Again, it's not my strongest. Um, I, I, in the reality of that joke, the doctor was just trying to observe his part in the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, okay, this is my last one. Let's give this a go. An Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scottish man walk into a bar. The Englishman says, ha, 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 a child is dead. And also, Brexit means Brexit. The Irishman and the Scottish man agree to go to a different bar and stop hanging out with the Englishman because he's a <laughs> Got it! <laughs> That's for you, Aaron Banks! Oh my god. We got a sense of humor after all! Listen, I f it, it feels like Brexit was done just to trigger you lefties. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what this whole thing was about, wasn't it? Uh, Aaron Banks was also one of the people named in, uh, in uh, the Panama Papers. Uh, so he would know a couple of things about offshore accidents. <laughs> Which, uh, Right, so uh, just one final story before, uh, before we leave. Um, there's been a major find of uh, dinosaur relics, um, apparently, and uh, a couple Jesus of my friends... Uh, Christ, mate. A couple of my friends really into dinosaurs, um, Denzel and, uh, and Batula, and they, they were going to a launch of a new dinosaur exhibition, and uh, she couldn't decide uh, what, to, uh, what to wear, but she, uh, she likes to look like a Republican tiger mum, uh, but she couldn't find the right clothes to wear for her uh, top half, and uh, Denzel, her husband, said, uh, well, model yourself on the former vice presidential candidate, Palin. Try Sarah's tops. <laughs> this is worse than Brexit. Uh, uh, and they had, um, they're, they're very interested in other things as well. Uh, literature as well, they used to, they used to collect uh, relics from some of the great writers of uh, the 19th century, including the um, uh, uh, iron um, boating implements of uh, British sisters who collectively wrote loads of novels, but those uh, those implements had sadly, due to time, oxidised. Um, but they were still very proud of their Brontes or rust. That was so that was so torturous that I honestly think I could have you up in the Hague. <laughs> that pun violated the Geneva Convention. <laughs> Sorry, it's fossiling out a bit. Fizzling out a bit. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, at another friend who was really, he was a global warming scientist, uh, professor at a university, and uh, he came up with this uh, this way of measuring the advance of uh, the melting of the ice caps based on how quickly uh, the uh, ice houses uh, of the local population melted. He became known as an igloo warner don. <laughs> 
The audience have just reacted like you took a shit on the stage. Uh, I had a friend from, uh, had a friend from oh, Bangkok. No. Um, a, fr a friend from Bangkok who was really, uh, really interested in, uh, in, in ships that had sunk and he heard about, uh, there was this Russian naval disaster in the Second World War and he found that they'd uh, discovered all the, uh, the relics of these, uh, these ten ships that had sunk, uh, but he had to get there very quickly. Uh, this chat from Bangkok, um, and he, he managed to do it. Thai ran and saw Russian wrecks. <laughs> right, that's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, uh, to be honest, yeah, I mean, you might criticise that, Nish. But, you know, I'd rather do puns than get, do anything gratuitously gross and edgy, so I won't Triassic joke. <laughs> uh, but other online audio comedy shows will do that. Therapods that do that. Right. <laughs> Touch me, I'm real. Right. I absolutely, I absolutely love the fact that you said that you hadn't written them and yet somehow you got through it. And to yeah. paraphrase the famous dinosaur-based documentary Jurassic Park, when it comes to pun runs, Andy Zaltzman, like life, finds a way. <laughs> well, thank you very much uh, for coming. Do go and see Aditi's wonderful show. When is your show? Uh, my show is called Mother of Invention. It's at Assembly, George Square, The Box. The Box. Nish, are you doing shows this week? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing Monday to Saturday. Um, and it, the show is called It's In Your Nature to Destroy Yourselves. It's the show that people on the Bugle have heard me plug for a full year. <laughs> and I am about to wring the last suds out of that soapy, soapy sponge. Um, I'm doing uh, Satirist for Hire at Stand 3, 4.30 every afternoon. And Political Animal is on Sunday to Thursday next week at 11.30, also at the Stand. Thank you very much for coming. Until next time, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.